Podcast number four. Our guest today is Curtis Meekum from the Bay Area ska band Monkey. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rogue Planet Podcast. I am Jason McClellan, and as always, I'm here with my very, 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 very good friend, Caleb Hanks. Hi! Man, you sound so old. And you're not that old, are you, Caleb? I'm 27. Yeah, as of right now. But you run yourself ragged into the ground, being a, a rock star, touring musician, and all. So I'm sure you feel much older than you actually are. Oh God, that that on top of years of just nonstop drinking, I'm just I'm pickled. I'm like an old vampire with no strength. Sexy. I'm like an old rattlesnake with no venom. So sexy. Man, <laughs> you have to beat the ladies off. I'm sure. No, 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 that doesn't happen to me. Because you're a vampire and you've already killed them all? I think it's because I just, I never had braces as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, Caleb, we're going to jump into some fun here, but I first want to mention that uh, our guest today is Curtis Meekum. He's a good buddy of mine. We go back a ways. um, Back in my music industry days, uh, booked his band Monkey Quite a lot. Monkey's a, a long-running uh, ska band from the Bay Area, from San Jose. We'll talk to him about music and technology, too, going to some, some geeky tech stuff with him because he's a, a QA tester for the company Jawbone. And if you're not familiar with Jawbone, Jawbone uh, primarily yeah, just, does uh, like wearable technology. They've got wristbands that you wear that monitor how many steps you take. They monitor your sleep. They also just released a, a Bluetooth um, device for your phone, you, you know, one of your wear, wearable earpieces, and they've got uh, portable little speakers too, Bluetooth speakers that sync up with your, your iPhone and things like that to play music on. So lots of products coming out from Jawbone. Yeah, I just saw like a little expose about the, the latest Jawbone apparatus they have, and that thing is like micro, man. It's so small. Yep. And uh, as long as you're not talking to the ladies, small is good. <laughs> Oh, you. Well, let, let's go ahead and play a track, uh, a, a Monkey song here, just so people can kind of uh, get a sense of Monkey if they're not familiar with the band before we uh, jump into the interview with Curtis. So we'll go ahead and, and play a track uh, off their 2005 uh, Asian Man record release, Cruel Tutelage. The song's called Trailer Park Love. This is Monkey. Monkey. <laughs> Start out at Charlotte. 
That's Monkey, so looking forward to talking to Curtis later. But Caleb, let's uh, get back to talking about uh, why, you, why you're such an old man or why you feel like such an old man. You had a crazy week this last week. I've, man, I have had, I've had a crazy just whole time since the last podcast we did. Uh, did I mention? Did I tell you about Crazy Tom Banana Pants playing on a bus? I don't remember if we talked about playing on a bus. I can't remember if we did or not. I know we talked about the Krampus party. but Yes, we I, did. I'll just keep it short, right. basically, if I said something on the last podcast. But there's this company called Lazoom in Asheville, and everybody dresses up crazily. There's like a, and they have people set up all over town. There's like a, a nun that rides one of those bicycles with a really big front tire, like riding around. This is why everybody in Asheville is like crazy. And uh, people in gingerbread man costumes running around, and they'll like drive by and point them out, and they'll be dancing on the side of the street. I don't know why this happens, but they thought. What would be the next step we could take, and that's put a, an entire six-piece ska band on a on a bus, like a school bus size bus, and uh, and play a show while we're driving around town and everybody's drinking on the bus. So, uh, Asheville is not exactly flat. We live in a mountain town, so here we are, like playing an entire show with our entire band, just going through these streets. And some are like you know, San Francisco steep and we're like having to hold, hold ourselves up. And the whole time, like the microphone is just shocking me because it's not grounded. So every time I, I like accidentally hit the microphone when I'm singing, I'm just getting shocked. And it was just insanity. 
So there was that. And then uh, then we played another show at the auditorium and we are we're all kind of crazy. So we decided, like, what's what's a theme that we can do? What would be really funny? And since it was literally like maybe 20 degrees outside, we thought, hey, let's do like a beach party theme and we'll all wear like swim trunks and, and towels. And uh, that was a really stupid idea. So we uh, played the show and we all thought, OK, we're going to be very, very cold, but we're all committed to the cause because the joke was just good enough for us. So we um, just decided, hey, let's just get really, really drunk and that way we won't feel the cold. <laughs> and uh, and the show is actually really, really good. And if you haven't heard the band that we played with, they're uh, called Demon Waffle and they are like one of the tightest ska bands and coolest band names I've heard in a long time. You should check them out. They played um, Knights of, I don't know how to say it, Knights of Sidonia by Muse, all ska, and it was absolutely amazing. I've got a very short video clip of it that I might be able to put up on the website. But That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Uh, where are they from? Where are they based out of? Johnson City, Tennessee. It's like right, like 45 minutes from Asheville. Excellent. So, well, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm drinking some Tennessee whiskey right now, so that, that works. Hey, there you go. <laughs> And then, okay, so trying not to be too long-winded with this all, but like, so Thursday we played with Crazy Tom with the beach party thing. Then Friday, Nitro Grass, our bluegrass band with my brother Micah, we had to be on the way down to Charleston, South Carolina. So we drove all the way to the beach. It's like four hours. And we were hired to play at this um, giant company party at the Charleston Aquarium. So here, and it's just like, my job always takes me to the strangest places. So here I am playing mountain bluegrass in front of an of a, like a 12-foot-long albino alligator. And it was just one of the most bizarre, surreal moments of my life. Did that really happen or that, was it I in some to, sort of like stupor state? It was – I mean it was not just – hanging out in the open it was it was in a display like in an aquarium but there was like i was literally playing bluegrass to like poison dart frogs and an albino alligator an american bald eagle uh a couple of lemurs it was insane dude because it's it's a kind of like it's it's not too terribly large they have all of these creatures in a pretty compact area i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty big place in general but I don't know, just crazy. And how was your music received by these wonderful creatures? They didn't give a shit. <laughs> really? They weren't they, dancing and stuff? They didn't care. Like I guess they I guess we weren't the first bluegrass band they've ever heard. I was kind of disappointed. I thought I would get at least get a reaction out of the rattlesnakes. Right. How awesome would it have been if like you started playing and then the the frogs started having sex and like they were just really enjoying it and getting it on. Well, the creepy thing about the lemurs <laughs> was like you look in the lemur, like, cage or whatever, the lemur display, and, like, you don't see any of the lemurs, but there's this little tiny hammock up, suspended in the air, and it's just bouncing. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? What's the lemur doing? <laughs> it was freaky. Well, I, I think the, the best, I mean, having animals get it onto your music would have been pretty a pretty enjoyable experience, I think, a fulfilling if, experience. But uh, if only we'd played the mighty jungle. But beyond, <laughs> better than that would would have been if there would have been some monkeys who got really excited and started flinging poo. <laughs> well, see, all the cages were just like glass windows. Yeah. It wasn't like chicken wire, so it wouldn't be like the shotgun blast spray. <laughs> no, but it could land on the glass, going. Eah! 
Ooh. They streak down. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Yes, it's the little things in life. And it, you, if something like that happened, you would remember it always. Oh, totally. No, like half the crazy stuff I get into is just because I want to be able to say that, yeah, that happened right. for real. Right. Well, I don't know. For some reason, your, your story about the bus and everything made me think of something that we posted on RoguePlanet.tv this past week. And that is this uh, guy dressed as Darth Vader riding a, riding a unicycle and playing Star Wars music on bagpipes. Huh. And the bagpipes are flame-shooting bagpipes. How did I miss this? It might be the same guy. Okay. He's he's known as the Unipiper, and he's from Portland, Oregon, and he rides around, and there are all sorts of videos on YouTube with this guy. Yeah, wasn't there a video of him playing, like, ACDC? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this guy. So uh, he was invited on Jimmy Kimmel uh, for their segment called uh, Can They Do It Live? So he comes riding out on his unicycle in a Darth Vader outfit, playing his flame-shooting bagpipes. Pretty awesome. That, that might be the coolest thing that has ever happened on Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know. I don't watch Jimmy Kimmel, so. Kimmel's got some pretty interesting stuff. He's uh, one of the better shows on, and I think he has a better taste in music, too. His musical guests tend to be better than other shows, but not that I'm a, a connoisseur of late-night television because, as you know, Caleb, I'm an old man. I go to sleep early. I know, but you get <laughs> up early, and you work, and you work very hard. That's right. That's right. Well, another uh, little bit of, of uh, stuff we had on the, the website that I thought was really cool uh, from this past week was really geeky kind of toys. You can call them toys, but they're like Legos for, for geeky adults and, I guess, geeky kids, too, under adult supervision. But there are these futuristic sci-fi toys called Little Bits, and they're like Legos. They're, they're, they're as easy as Legos, but they allow people to build, like, electronics prototypes and they snap together with magnets and you can do switches and led lights and power supplies and they all kind of like click together like magnets and you can uh play around with different parts and create different things uh that's super cool i I like stuff like that it's awesome i like that for like the young engineers, you know, you get exactly. kids playing with stuff like that early. And I, cause you have these kids all the time. It's like some 14 year old developed some like cure for cancer or, or some crazy like solar panel that is like a bajillion times more effective. It's like this, th- these are the kind of toys that I think that you sh- that people should be promoting is the kind of educational tools too. Well, absolutely. And some of the stuff that, that they've got, uh, you know, prepackaged kits with the different pieces so you can you can build specific things like synthesizers and, and guitars and things like that. It's so oh, cool. Wow. And uh, so there's some awesome videos they have on their website showing projects that have been made and the different kits they sell and stuff. The company's called Little Bits. So definitely check it out. And, yeah, I agree with you, man. If, if kids played with these, I mean, think about, I don't know about you, but I spent probably years of my life playing with Legos. And oh, yeah. what did that accomplish? You know, I had fun doing it, but whoop-de-doo. I didn't learn anything. I just had fun. Yeah. But, uh, and hurt my feet a lot by stepping on them. But, yeah, for real. <laughs> but, you know, with these things, you know, teaching kids about electronics and just basic signal paths and just the, the way things work and, and in, uh, kind of encouraging their creativity to actually build something they can use, really, really awesome. And I, I hope more companies do this. But I think the, the age... Uh, limit on these things or the minimum age is eight years old so that's not too bad so you've got 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 kids in that age man buying this stuff little bits 
Well, I see one of the first uh, kind of packets they have is like showing how to run power to a computer fan. Like that is so awesome. Yeah. Because if you get them like kind of seeing this stuff that has like moving parts and you can show them like this is how electronic circuits work and blah, blah, blah. It's like they can utilize that information and apply that to like so many different things, you know, because I mean, like the robotics industry is on the up and coming. I mean, like every single company like Google predominantly is right now trying to really get into the robotics industry right. and with the Amazon drones and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, if you can kind of popularize like this company's trying to do and get that into the to the young mainstream man that's that's how you start that's how that industry really starts booming within the next 10 years yeah yeah and uh here, here's another one caleb i know we're both huge fans of uh computer music a, a, a big eight big music and uh chip tune you know the kind of video game music there, mm-hmm. there's a uh, a guy who created an 8-bit harmonica <laughs> this is yeah. more like a, a a pan flute but he took it an old game cartridge and housed it with uh, several microphones. And when you blow into it, it plays like 8-bit music. Pretty cool. That is so rad, man. Never would have thought of that. <laughs> and it's so geeky for, for those who played NES and, and other platforms at that time where it wasn't uncommon for the game to uh, the game you were playing to kind of freeze or glitch out. You'd have to pop it out and blow into the cartridge, trying to blow really mm-hmm. hard and get rid of the dust particles and put it back in. And sometimes it would magically work. Uh, so that's the idea behind this. You just blow into the cartridge like uh, we all used to, and you make music. Yeah, I remember kids used to like hurt themselves blowing into the cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> I know I did. My, I might not. How do you hurt yourself blowing into the cartridge? I just I remember kids would just be like like wheezing trying to blow into these things and like well, i think that's because some of those kids had asthma probably probably <laughs> get some sort of sharp pain going through their lungs but yes so how, but, how are things yeah. going with uh, with crazy tom banana pants things are good uh the band i don't know i mean like we just we worked up uh you can call me al by paul simon and uh i just love that song i've loved that song forever and me and the drummer matt hicks and we would just always just first time or every time we'd show up at a party it's like sweet can we have control of the music because we really need to hear call me out or you can call me out so we worked up that that was pretty fun um and i don't know i've also like just been the the busyness has not started or ended in one place it's just been this big blob of just constant work because i've been working on my latest cartoon endeavor and i haven't really kept you up to date with that just because i've literally been Wake up, work, go to sleep, get back up, work on that. And um, you're a machine. I am, or at least I'm aspiring to be one. But um, yeah, man, I haven't. I, I will send you the rough. I think it'll probably be done by next week sometime. Excellent. So. Yeah, I was on uh, on your brother's show, The Grayland Report, last week and kind of briefly mentioned some of the. Uh, potential projects that we're working on for rogue planet uh, in terms of cartoony awesomeness but uh was very vague about it because everything is still in development yeah exactly yeah i I don't know i i sent out the cartoon to a few people uh overseas (laughs) uh one of my buddies in new zealand just to see like kind of like a test audience and he seemed to enjoy it so I guess I guess the Americans will like it. 
going to be huge in New Zealand? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if, if he promotes it enough. Ah. So is uh, Crazy Tom going to record music anytime soon? Yeah. Uh, the, our trumpet player, Evan uh, Bradford, he works at Echo Mountain Recording Studios here in Asheville, and he's been wanting to record like an album. It's just we're all just so like everybody is so incredibly busy. Right. And I've got I've got a bunch of I've got like three songs that I just demoed in my room uh, on the SoundCloud, which I guess is just soundcloud.com slash crazy Tom banana pants. But you can like download all that stuff for free. Very fun party music. As you hear in the uh, I just got the song that we use for the theme song for this podcast done. And it's called the uh, the conquest of Frankie four balls. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There was uh, there was just nothing else I could call it. Okay, fit perfectly. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, I know you guys have played uh, not too long ago with Mustard Plug, and Mustard Plug just released an album called "Can't Contain It," and yeah. I picked that up. Pretty cool stuff. I think fans of Mustard Plug will enjoy it because it's quite in line with uh, what they've released previously. So, yeah, good music from them, and that was a uh, a crowd funded album. They uh, set out uh, with a goal of $12,000 to record that, and uh, they surpassed that by more than $13,000. So Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's good the, to know that people still care. Yeah, the fans really get behind uh, bands they're passionate about, and I think bands are just starting to realize that and take advantage of it. It's good. You know, I, I think even for these older bands who have families, have kids, have other obligations, have real jobs, and uh, you know you don't see them play out very much anymore. It's understandable. I think people understand that real life happens, but Dude, still I, like the I'm, music. So if you uh, you know we're happy to chip in some bucks if you can make it happen. I'm legitimately bummed out today because uh, Reggie and the Full Effect is playing in North Carolina tonight in Chapel Hill. It's like four hours away. Yeah, but I just I just did not have the strength to do it. This but this is like the first Reggie tour, and dude, I don't even know how long. Maybe four or five years. Yeah, but. Hopefully I'll be able to catch them some other time. But I hear you, man. I, I run out of gas uh, too much, and there are great shows that happen, and I feel so bad that I don't go, don't get out to uh, to check them out while they're here. But uh, sometimes I'm just so drained. <laughs> yep, yep. So what's happening in other news? I know we got some uh, some delays on the new Batman Superman film, pushed back to 2016 now. Yeah, and that might not be the only delay and I, I, we'll, we'll keep hearing about it i'm sure but uh that, that's something that a lot of people are following closely yeah i know mark ruffalo the guy that played the hulk and the avengers he uh he is apparently vying for doing a standalone eco hulk movie and i follow him on twitter so he's like all about green energy like super into it and uh, i think that's actually a really cool idea because i'm not too sure like how many how many uh films or independent films or even big budget film uh have really gone that route and tried to make a conscious effort to make like a, a really environmentally friendly film you know what i mean yeah so i don't know i think that'd be a cool idea but the i just feel like the hulk standalone franchise was just doomed with that first uh that first hulk movie yeah it certainly wasn't the uh the right way to start it off if you wanted to build a franchise yeah I mean, the Ed Norton one was good, but I think people were just burned. They were burned from the last one. 
Yeah, I love all these these comic movies coming out, and yeah, I worry that they're going to overdo it. But as long as you've got a fan base and the quality of the the content that comes out is good, I don't think you can overdo it. I think that's the thing that Marvel has just kind of shown time after time, pretty much since like the first Iron Man film is like every movie is really good quality. And I mean, I don't see how you couldn't make a good movie with Disney money. Have you checked out uh, the television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet? I've actually seen every episode of that. Yeah, every episode. OK, I, uh, I think I've made it. I think I only caught the, uh, the first, maybe the second one. I've got that uh, on my tablet, and I, I watch it on airplanes when I'm traveling. Well, they just like very recently, uh, kind because they've hinted through the whole time since Avengers how Agent Coulson has this weird thing about how he came back to life, and they uh, they they let you know how that happens, and it it's bizarre, man. It's very odd. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, they've been teasing it. What the hell's going on here? Well, there was all this uh there was all this talk about him like becoming a cyborg and becoming mm-hmm. the character vision and all that stuff but mm-hmm. I didn't really think they were going to do that cuz it wouldn't necessarily go along with the the vision backstory but yeah it's pretty interesting the show I, I mean Agents of Shield is a good show the the uh the production quality is really really good yeah yeah and I I think it's incredibly entertaining uh Ed, you know if you're a fan of any of the movies they've put out with any of those characters, you know, it's right along that. It follows the storyline, and uh, yeah, so I, I like it. I don't know why I haven't been watching it live, and I guess that's probably because I'm too busy, but I always see it in the channel listings. I'm all, oh, yeah, I should watch that. And then I stop because I realize I need to watch them sequentially. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to talk about one more music story before we get into the interview here with Curtis Meekham. Um, it's a music-related story. It involves Rancid's Tim Armstrong, and I'm a big Rancid fan, big fan of Tim Armstrong's work. And he's presenting his first solo art show in L.A. And this is pretty cool. He's got, got some good artwork. He's a creative guy. Um, musically, he's incredibly talented. And he's done so much work with so many bands. And, and he's just been around for, for decades um, in various aspects uh, musically. But artistically, uh, going into kind of music theater, he did a, a web series called Tim Timebomb's Rock and Roll Theater. And I think they only did one episode of that. I'm not sure. But it, it's uh, Rolling Stone described it as a cross between Rocky Horror Picture Show and uh, Twilight Zone. So basically, Tim serves as the, uh, the narrator, like Rod Serling in Twilight Zone. Um, and they have dance numbers and the, the guys from Rancid are in it and they have other guest appearances for musicians but uh, pretty interesting project there but this art show is going to feature some of his his artwork on uh, various mediums interesting stuff musically inspired and uh, he's actually going to be performing at the opening of this art exhibit too with uh, Tim Timebomb and friends and what he does with Tim Tim Timebomb is his alias and what he does with Tim Timebomb and Friends is an interesting uh, approach, I think, for I don't know how long now, but more than a year. Um, I think every day he's put out at least one track that he records and records wherever he is on the road, in the studio, whatever. But it's him and, and whatever musician friends he happens to be around, and they lay down these songs. And they're either uh, songs that he's written or that he's been involved in 
Um, so interesting covers and, and things like that. They're, they're really cool, um, very raw, but he puts those out. So, so much music coming out from him all the time, and that's why he has a show on Sirius XM Faction now, and uh, they play music from Tim Timebomb and Friends or other uh music that he can tie in that he's been personally involved in, whether it's a musician he's worked with or a song he recorded, a song he produced. So he's got this very uh, extremely vast musical history and uh, through the bands he's been in and stuff he's been involved with. So he's a fascinating guy. And I never even show, knew he did that stuff. That's kind of crazy to me that he like even does art. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's caught a lot of people by surprise. They didn't know he was an artist. Very interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand how involved he's been in, in a lot of other projects. I mean, he's produced music for Pink, of all people. So, wow, I didn't even know that. And I'm not sure, I haven't confirmed this, but I, I read somewhere that he was actually, are you familiar with the band Dancehall Crasher? No, I never heard of them. They were a, a ska, ska punk band from uh, back in the 90s. They were a uh, dual female vocalist band. But originally, Tim Armstrong was in that band. And huh. so the band completely transformed uh, from when he was in it. it and the, the girls came in and, and became the, the front of the band. But he's been involved in so many projects. You know, he's currently in the, the Transplants with Travis Barker. Yeah. Um, yeah, some crazy stuff. Really talented guy. So the art show, is uh, it, it happens, I think, a week from now. Um, it's at the end. Of, yeah, January 24th is the opening of the show, and it goes through February 22nd. That's in LA, and more information about that can be found at the for the website or on the website for the uh, the art space it's going to be held at called Subliminal Projects. The website is subliminalprojects.com. That is really really surprising and very very cool. My wife is out in LA, and I'm I'm trying to convince her to to go. I talked to the uh, the art space, and they said they're definitely anticipating reaching capacity very early in the evening. It's a free event, and you know Tim's going to be playing live there. It's the opening. They're going to be giving away some stuff, so I, no doubt they're going to uh, have a crowd waiting. So I told her to go go get in line like an hour early and see if she can get. And if she gets in, great. If not, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump into uh, this interview here with my good buddy Curtis Meekum and hear all about the ska band Monkey. Curtis, it is great to have you on the show. It's been so long since you and I have caught up, so thanks so much for doing this, man. Hey, you're welcome, man. This is great. Well, I want to talk to you about the wonderful band you happen to be in, and you've been in it for a little while now, a band called Monkey, a Bay Area ska band that uh, I am a fan of, and uh, that is how I know you. So... First off, uh, if you can, just briefly give us an overview of, uh, of Monkey, kind of the, a brief rundown of the history of the band Monkey. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, uh, somewhere 17, 18 years ago, I decided that I wanted to put together a little ska band with a, with a, a friend of mine from high school. And uh, he's no longer in the band, uh, left a long time ago. But for some reason, I'm just too dumb to quit. <laughs> and uh, because of that, uh, you know, I've I've uh, enjoyed some some uh, uh, some great times, some great times and, and some not so great times. But it's it's all a big experience, you know. 
You know, some of my funnest memories at shows happen to involve Monkey, and uh, you know, just thinking back with, with concerts and looking through various uh, memorabilia, posters, shirts, things like that that I've acquired over the years through con- concerts. Um, you know, I've got monkey posters on my wall. I've got, uh, still have my Dickies work jacket I got from you guys. Uh, nice. and then correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we run into each other at, uh, one of the last shows at CBGB in New York? Oh, uh, did we? Yeah. yeah uh, uh, CBGB's was, uh, uh, that was the last week of CBGB's. I think we were playing the Tuesday afternoon slot. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's the only show that I'd ever <laughs> been to at CBGB, but I was there and good old monkey was there. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, well, you know what? I mean, I've ran into you in so many different places that, that, uh, that it's all becoming a big blur. It is but, a big uh, blur, isn't it? Yeah. But thanks for thanks for bringing that memory back. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> I mean, you got like I said, so many years. You guys are coming up on what is it now? Eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yep. Holy crap! Yep. So, so you guys have a, a reunion or anniversary show scheduled, uh-huh. right? Uh, well, I was going to say we're, we're we're legal to drive, not to drink. Well, that's something <laughs> at least, right? You got to wait another three years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So tell us about uh, this uh, anniversary show that's coming up. Oh, we're going to do a show at the uh, at our local big club, big rock club, uh, called the Blank Club, B L A N K, and uh, it's going to uh, feature some some great opening bands and and uh, some of the old members are going to come back and and uh, sing a song or two, and it's just going to be a good time. Awesome. And what's the date on that? Uh, that is January thirty first. Okay, cool. Now. In the uh, the early days of Monkey, uh, your role was slightly different, right? You were you were on keys on organ. Yeah, I, I played keys in the band for eight years. Wow! So now I've been playing guitar for ten years. <laughs> it's weird to look at it like that, but uh, but yeah, I it uh, when we first started, there was there was a push to make the band a dual lead singer situation. Mm-hmm. Because my friend that I that I mentioned before, uh, uh, who I started the band with from high school, uh, was singing the songs with me, and he would do a couple songs on his own. And then when he left the group, I was the guy way over there. I was on the the, the corner of the stage, and all the people in the middle were what people consider the show, but they wanted to focus on you know, uh, a lead singer of sorts. So I had to, I had to literally get out from behind that, um, uh, that area, you know, and start playing a different instrument, you know, be, be in the center of the stage and, and be able to converse with the audience. Interesting. So do you miss it? Do do, do you like playing keys live? I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I do. Uh, um, uh, currently, I'm playing keys for a, a 60s soul revival band called uh, the Bang Girl Group, and that's uh, 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 that's out of uh, out of the San Jose area too. They do like a, a Motown mixed with like a like a 60s Brit pop thing. It's uh, it's pretty cool. That sounds pretty amazing. Um, is there anywhere that I can check out that that music? Do you have anything recorded? Uh, yeah, you can just, uh, uh, friend our Facebook page okay. at, um, it's the bang girl group. That's awesome. Of- I love that stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, it's super fun, and uh, the girls get dressed up in the '60s garb, and they and they tease their hair into big bouffants, and it's uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Do you, do, do you also tease your hair? And uh... <laughs> sometimes I fluff my sideburns really <laughs> big. <laughs> awesome. Well, back to Monkey. Uh, you guys working on any new music? Uh, yeah, uh, we've uh, we've actually recorded two albums uh and we are finishing up the production on album one right now okay and that will be released uh very soon uh hopefully I, i'm thinking it's probably going to be out by the summerish. okay awesome i'm excited about that and uh is there a label attached to it are you guys still on asian man Asian man's going to put it out. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, Mike is still interested in supporting ska and supporting the the scene and and uh, you know uh, uh, it's great being on the label with him because I can just drive over to his house and knock on his door and bring his neck. <laughs> Quite convenient. I mean, yeah. I mean, shake his hand. I mean, shake his hand. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Uh, speaking I, of, of Mike Park, have you have you heard any of the uh, the new Bruce Lee band music? Uh, I haven't heard the new Bruce Lee band uh, music, but uh, but I assure you it's going to be just as awesome as it always has been. Yeah, I've heard I've heard uh, I think one track that's been released so far, and exciting. And uh, you nice. know, it, it's fun seeing seeing. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think ska will ever have its uh, revival as some people have have hoped for in in the terms of the, its grandeur from uh, from the mid '90s, but. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I see a lot of the uh, the old guys coming back and uh, perhaps rediscovering their 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 just love for the music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I see the uh, guys from um, from Buck Nine. Yeah, uh, uh, play a lot, and uh, and the guys from Let's Go Bowling are starting to do shows again, but just just of course in town because uh, they've got families and and everything. Well, uh, yeah, that that's the problem for for a lot of a lot of bands that uh, you know are adults now. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they, they have real lives and families, and you know th- those kind of things. So, yeah, yeah that's I, I love seeing that that uh, Let's Go Bowling is still playing, but yeah. extremely limited, like you said. So, I, oh, I they they play like two shows a year. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, I don't know if anybody is a fan out there, but uh, Sturgeon General from uh, from Lake City got back together. They've been doing shows and uh, they they did one as a a one-off and they're like, man, I don't know if we could do this again. Then they got, then they did another one and they're like, oh geez, now we're in it. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh man, I love hearing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Mustard Plug just released another album and that one was, was uh, crowdfunded. You know, the good old crowdfunding game worked for them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the Kickstarter stuff. Yep, exactly. So it's it's good to see you, man. More more music keeps coming out, and uh, you know it's music that that you and I love. So good for us. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. So uh, is is Monkey going to be touring around? I mean, I know you guys still still play quite a bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, right now we're focusing on uh, building some shows in the area because the last year we've been uh, Monkey's always been a band that's that's played uh ferociously we we tried to be on the road at all times and and continue to push the the uh the envelope of what's uh, available in ska uh, uh at least as far as we go and 
we've been doing this for a long time, but then our bassist had uh, uh, twins, and our uh, our saxophonist moved to to France, and there was it just seemed like a really odd time to be playing. Yeah. So kind of we kind of took a year off. We 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 played a couple of shows locally, but didn't really push it. And now the members that are that are still, you know, still have that drive are even more uh, interested in becoming part of the um, part of the scene again, you know, and really start pushing the the uh, the music. So that's a good thing, which means that we're going to be able to uh, to to get uh, uh, stuff rolling and and uh, and do a lot of shows. But. For right now, it's it's local, and then probably towards the summer, we're we're gonna fuse into like maybe a, a local tour, like a like a West Coast tour or something. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I you've played uh, at a handful of shows that I've done, and uh, you know, with varying lineups, and I've always been impressed with the lineups that you put together. Um, <laughs> yeah, Captain Squeegee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys, All man. Right, so that's dope. Yeah, no, they're 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 quite a different band now from what they used to be. They're uh, oh, they're still playing. Oh, cool. they're they're still playing, man. They're uh, they're good buddies of mine, but they're uh, they're more uh, kind of experimental progressive rock now. Very oh, wow. like out there. They're they're incredibly talented musicians, but they play very highly intellectual music and like to go off and mm-hmm. change times and just go as crazy as possible. Yeah, and, and it's awesome on it on its own level, but for going out to a club and wanting to rock out, it doesn't really work. But yeah, yeah, it, sometimes it's good you have music. to sometimes you have to throw your audience a bone. Like we we want to be Mr. Bungle, we want to be uh, progressive, yeah. but at the same time, here's a here's a love song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Something you can sway to and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, man, I'm glad, man. I, I I can't wait to see Monkey again. And uh, well, let, let's shift gears right now uh from from music and uh talk a little tech because i thought i i thought of you this christmas because uh i happened to get a jawbone uh, up 24 oh and, nice uh, i'm one right now see nice yeah yeah i I've, I've got mine on so unite <laughs> yeah these things are That's awesome great. man and and the reason it made me think of you you know you work for jawbone so so these these things are awesome and i i've watched kind of the wearable technology field for a little while. And I yeah. jumped on this because, well, initially I got it for my father-in-law for Christmas because he, he's like at the gym every day and he loves like tracking how far he walks and all that. And mm-hmm. I knew there was no way in hell that he was going to actually take the time to use all the features this thing has inputting into his phone, everything he eats and all of that. But he loves tracking his sleep with this thing. And he was so excited about it that he made my wife and I get one too. So three of us, oh. we, we have our, our up 24s that sync to our phones through Bluetooth. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was such a good product that I, I bought my, my girlfriend and her family members, uh, up, ups, you know, just all up, everybody up. <laughs> so that's, uh, I, and I, I adore their, uh, Bluetooth, uh, speakers too. Oh, are, are, uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't heard them, but what's oh, the yeah, you got to You got to uh, invest in the uh, the mini jam box is incredible. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a very, very thin, very small speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
it's dense. It's the shell is made out of like a like a uh, anodized aluminum, heavy duty aluminum shell. Okay. So like you could literally use it to self defense. <laughs> if you need uh, but multi purpose speaker, I like it. Yeah, it's a, it, it's about uh, take it take an iPhone, double the the thickness of okay. it, and then almost double the length of it. And that's about how big the speaker is. Yeah. And it is literally loud enough to have like a, an entire room of people talking and hanging out and you can still hear the music over it. It that is, is awesome. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm totally going to check that out because I've been looking at them and there's so many products out right now. And, you know, mm -hmm. I read reviews for them and everybody complains about the small speakers saying that they, you know, are, are underpowered. They don't, the sound oh. quality is horrendous and. Oh, the sound quality on the on the the Jawbone product is is better than anything else. I mean, we 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 uh, part of my job is I have to compare our product to other products, yeah. and I also have to uh, use my product, uh, our product, in relation to uh, other tech devices, okay. right? So I have to I have to say, okay, Bluetooth is it working on this device, and what's the what's the parameters? What do we want to what do we want to uh, this product to do? So we get to hear everything. We get to hear all the other brands and we're just constantly amazed at how sour they sound compared to our stuff. Not just, to, not just patting ourselves on the back. It actually does sound significantly better. Um, and the world knows it you know, we get great reviews and, yeah. and uh, that we just released the error product. And uh, that's a, that's a, a, a jawbone ear earpiece. I just yeah. got the email from jawbone yesterday about that. Yeah. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, um, and uh, uh, Gizmodo and everybody covered it uh, today because uh, the release was yesterday, and uh, they they all have uh, great reviews on it. So, did uh, you get a chance to play with the uh, with the app that goes along with it very much? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, what does the app allow you to do? I was confused by that. Uh, okay, it says you can like <laughs> customize it to your ear yeah. or whatever. Uh, customize it to your ear. I'm not. I'm not sure what that is. Well, it, uh, it, it adapt to your needs, and it. it, it yeah, I don't yeah, know. I guess well, for per user. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, you. It's it's one of these things where you just kind of uh, use it as a as a um, let's say a starting point for understanding you from an outside view. Okay. So. So you get to see how many calories you burn. You get to see uh, how many steps you've taken. You get to see uh, how you slept, and that's a huge thing. Like, like, did you did you remain in a deep sleep all night, or were you woken up several times? And why were you woken up if you haven't? Right. If there's no if there's no neighbor fighting next door, and you've got earplugs in, then there's something else wrong. There may be something wrong with your bed. There may be something wrong <laughs> with with your cat jumping on you in the middle of the night. You know, whatever whatever it takes. But it, t it allows you to analyze yourself even when you're not uh, available mentally to be analyzed. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm curious, uh, what are your sleep patterns like? Uh, <laughs> I know well, mine are like wild. I'm trying to look at that graph every night. I'm like, really? And I don't get very much deep sleep. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place. And, and the majority of it is light sleep. Well, they say that uh, that the average male, when you reach about 35, 40 years old, you lose up to 60% of your sleep, of your deep sleep, your REM. That's and depressing, that's, really? And it's, yeah, it's part of the uh, the aging process, evidently. And that's why uh, uh, human growth hormone has been such a big deal, because 
human growth hormone can only be uh, uh, can only be produced during REM sleep. So as you lose REM sleep, you lose human growth hormone, which means that all of your systems are starting to be taxed because they don't have this vital element uh, available to it anymore. And that's you know that just uh, speed uh, speeds up the, the the aging process. So, so you know, sleep is a very important part of of um, just uh, living in general. And and as scientists, you know, look at it more and more, uh, things like things as silly as the the up band are going to become more and more important to people. Getting old sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Remember, remember when you're like, oh, I just want to be 21 so I could get in the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get to that point. I always said, you know, get to maybe a little above that in a comfortable zone, like 23, 24, and then just kind of stop the clock. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't work was, like that. Well, the sad thing is, is, uh, is, you know, the, the world has, you know, all my friends from high school have turned into old crabs and I'm still playing shows, so I still feel like I'm maybe 27, 28 years old, and I'm not 27, 27 28 years old. And that's probably so. why you keep doing it, because really, yeah. inside, you know that once you stop, you're going to be an old, crabby guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then my, all my hair is going to fall out, my teeth are going to rot. And... Yep, that's the one thing keeping you young. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The And, you know, you compare, um, you know, even me to, to like... Uh, let's, let's take Warsaw. You, you're probably very well versed with Warsaw. Yeah. I mean, those guys still look like they're in their twenties and they're older than me. And so I know. Well, that... I, I have no idea physically how those guys are alive because uh, especially Aaron, Aaron is just like 100% party animal. I've never yes. seen anybody just drink solidly like he does and oh. do it night after night after night. And yeah, always on yeah. the road. I mean, those guys play constantly he, and party a, constantly. Yeah, all all those guys are monsters. I mean, and the 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 fun thing is they they broke up like well they didn't break up. Aaron kept the group together, but had a whole bunch of new players and stuff. And slowly they he he's rejoined a lot of the old players. And so when you go and see Warsaw today, it's nearly Warsaw that you remember like back in high school yeah, and they're really good. Yeah. They're really good. I think, uh, uh, quite honestly, uh, Warsaw may be some of the best musicians that you can see live. And I'd say that not saying it, a ska band, I'm saying musicians. Yeah. They are really, really good. That's a huge statement. But you know, now that you say it and I think about it, I I'm going to have to agree with you, man. Those, those guys are machines. Yeah. And holy cow. I mean, when both when they have both trumpet or trombone players together, oh, that, that's oh, just yeah. an epic experience. Those guys, each one of them, are machines. But together, wow! Yeah, when the uh, when Monkey Bone and Drago yep. they crisscross their horns and play into the same mic, it's yes. it's, it's almost a religious experience. It is. I, it is. I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah, I've never seen anything. Uh, two people think with the same brain. And that's that's pretty much what you get when you get a Warsaw show. Yeah, love those guys. Um, so let me ask you this: you know, talking about about uh, you working monkey specifically right now, what is it like being in a ska band in 2014? Uh, well, it's it's a lot different than being in a ska band in 1998. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, uh, it's um, it's it's 
playing the music because you love it. Yeah. And the people that show up to your shows are people that love the music and love you because you've been a, a major facet of their life for so many years. So it's a different type of admiration. Now, I remember when there were crowds at ska shows that were, you know, 1,500 people at a ska show. And people were killing themselves to get in. You know, can you, anybody got a ticket? I got to get in. I got to see, you know, meal ticket or whatever. You know, uh, three minute hero, you know, uh, it didn't matter what the band was. It was like, ah, oh, I got to get in there. And it was really fun for what it was, but you kind of, it, it was, it kind of allowed you to be on a pedestal and not really enjoy um, befriending the crowd. And that's, that's, it's a lot different now because the shows are significantly smaller. Uh, they're like, you know, 150, 200 people maximum. Uh, but I can go into a show and I know 60% of the people in the, in the room by name. I can point I, I can, I can walk up everybody and shake their hand and go, wow, it's been, a, you haven't been to a show in a year and a half. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that also shows your age too, my friend. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> What's the uh, the scene like in the Bay Area? Is there still a, a decent ska scene there? Mm, you know, uh, the scene in the Bay Area uh, uh, has was known as being a music mecca of uh, you know since through the '60s and the '70s and maybe the, the beginning of the '80s. Uh, it kind of shifted to Berkeley. Uh, out of San Francisco, but now it's gone. It's gone. I, the, there's the scene is for technology and technology only. So it's really a challenge to to get people excited about things. And part of that is being uh, well versed on uh, social media and and getting the word out in, in that respect. And I'm sure you are sick of seeing my <laughs> posts. <laughs> no, man, you're you're a pro at it. That's what you do. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's I. Uh, that's you, all. You, all uh, you, Grandpa Curtis needs to give some other band some lessons. <laughs> oh, put you on my knee and spank you. That's right. Some <laughs> bands needed, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's interesting to to see see the scene and its its progression. Um, but man, I, you know, talk about getting old. I don't like to put myself in that group, but you know, I, I don't get out to a lot of shows anymore. Number one, because there aren't as many shows as there used to be anymore, but you know, it's hard to to make the time for it, especially when you're not in a band and you're not playing the show. But, uh, I don't know. I, it's interesting to see where, where things have been, where they're going. And, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you, um, have any recommendations? Have you heard any new bands recently? I haven't heard of, of that many new bands in the ska genre. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot out there. I know that there's a brand new ska band that's in uh, in Santa Cruz uh, called the Killer Tones, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know I haven't seen them yet, but we're going to be playing a show with them coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, there's a couple of bands that are what I would say uh, they are amicable genres you know they're they they, they're not a ska band but they they work with a ska band Mm um one of them oh god what was it oh uh it was called shark party shark party um mm, i don't know if i'm I'm misquoting uh Mm. their name 
Shark Party or Shark Fiesta or something like that. It's it's a, a band that plays like surfy kind of like poppy stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, um, and of course, let me see. There's uh, oh, Day Labor. Have you uh, have you heard of those guys? No. They're like uh, they're like Mexican uh, uh, vato ska from uh, from Concord of all places, and they're kind of like uh, I, I don't know. They've got this. They're young guys, so they have this kind of like a ska punk verging on almost screamo, but the good elements, not the bad elements mm. of it. Um, so there, there's that. Uh, and let me see, San Francisco, uh, there's a kind of a ska um, instrumentals only band called, um, called Franco Nero. And there's a band from Mountain View, uh, and that band is called the Champions. Uh, they're kind of like skinhead reggae, and yeah, I, I, there's not much else. I think that's that's about it. Uh, we're trying to right now. We're trying to convince FTB, who's who's going to be supporting us on the on the uh, January 31st anniversary show. Uh, they're kind of a local legends in that post fishbone funk ska thing. Um, they are, they've been broken up for a while. We're trying to convince them to, you know, get back together and, and start, you know, start the wheels again. That's a good, good route. And, uh, something that, I, I don't know, in your opinion, what do you think could help to not really kickstart the scene? It doesn't really, I don't think you can force anything to happen like that, but uh, kind of help, I don't know, kick some bands in the ass and make something happen as far as ska is concerned, because it, it really seems to have flatlined. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I don't I don't know if it's flatlined, because we still do shows that have people at them. You yeah. know, uh, it's still it's still pretty good, but it's not, it's nowhere near as great as it could be. Right. Um, the reality is that, Right now, the world is listening to uh, uh, electronically processed diva music, and the, the it's um, I think it's the repercussion of of um, I don't know of of the, the, the kind of a self centered generation that came up behind us. Uh, where I think what happened is when the U.S. was uh, was like, oh, 9-11 and uh, everything sucks and no one can get a job. And then I think that the people that came up right after that are like, man, my, my, my brother, my uncle, they're so dour. They're so depressing to be around. I want this. I want this. This is for me. And so it's become like a really me, me generation. So it's kind of hard to break through, you know, all the Kardashians to get to, to, to what you need to, to say to people. And part of that is going to be, you know, there, I, I'm sure that there's some ska loving person that's going to mutilate the music and try to squish it into, into some processed uh, uh, Black Eyed Peas version of what ska is. And maybe that'll breathe some life into it. But what it really, what really needs to happen is that the artists and the people that love ska need to get online and they need to push as hard as they can at all times. They need to keep the word out and keep the scene alive in the tech world as well as in the real world. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, along with the, uh, 
kind of entitlement that you mentioned. There's also, yeah. it seems to be a lot of just overall laziness. You know, if it's not not uh, hand-fed, not, not made as easy as possible where they don't have to lift a finger to make something happen, they're not going to go out to a show. They're not going to support the band by buying the albums, buying the merchandise. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, it comes down to this, uh, it comes down to, to, uh, I, I think a, uh, a generation of people that have, uh, too many options. So when you, when you like, when I was a kid, you had like Snickers and Abba Zabba, you know, and, and there were, there were these little junk candies that no one really wanted, you know, and your mom would give you five cents and you'd go, okay, I guess I'll buy a junk candy because you don't, you don't give me enough for a real candy. But now that you're older and you see just walls and walls of different types of candy, it, you're kind of turned off by it. You kind of, you look at it and you stare and you stare and you're like, man, I thought I wanted something sweet, but, and you either walk out of the store feeling like you're in, like you, like your heart's not in it, or you just get a Snickers because it's what you got when you were a kid. So it's, you know, comparing that to uh, the modern uh, uh, world where everything has a video screen on it and everyone's got a, a, a computer in their pocket. I mean, it's like, hey, I want to see this band. They're really fun. Oh, really? Show me a seven second clip of them that convinces me that I should go see them. Uh, lighting's bad. Next. Right. And that seems to be the what governs whether or not they spend any time on it, and it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate, and you know there are also some of the people, like you said, with the short attention spans, and you know if they can see what they want to see and by watching a YouTube clip, that's good enough. They don't need to go to a show. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's 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 hard, but it's it's going to be uh, an uphill battle. But at some point, uh, there's people need to 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 see art they need to see someone creating they need to see what uh, a new ter a term that i just found was a techni it's a it's it's kind of the basis of technique uh it's a uh, it's a greek word and it means uh the the artist in the moment of creation and it's just kind of referring to that whole process, and that I think that that society as a whole needs needs that they don't they 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 don't need to see a video that someone spent a long time creating. They need to see someone in the creative process as well. So at some point, they're going to have to go see a show. They're going to have to go out. They're going to have to like visit that part of their own personality, and when they do they may be blown away by the fact that they've been so jaded and so uh, holed up in their bedroom with a tiny little glowing box instead of going out and doing this. There's a much different uh, uh, feeling from a live show than there is from any video you'll ever see. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I, I'm a huge technology nut, and I absolutely love technology, but I've always felt this way that you know, with current technology as it applies to the music industry, it's such a double-edged sword because it's opened so many doors for musicians and made things so much easier in, in terms of getting an audience, getting getting your stuff to your fans, uh, you know, so generating interest, 
um, getting your music out by yourself, home studio recording, just the ease of, of creating and, and putting out music. At the same time, that's allowed everybody else to do it too, and not all of those people should be doing it in my opinion. So it's more accessible, it's easier, and you just amplify the amount of crap that's out there. So yeah. you just it, just saturation all over the place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, it, it, you know, I, I had this uh, conversation with a friend of mine who's actually in the room uh, about uh, the progression or digression of music over the eras is as technology gets better and gets easier for people to record and to make music, then the, the will and the desire to become a good musician and to, and to really understand what you're doing goes down. And you, you can really see that happening. I mean, like Bach, Beethoven, uh, uh, Stravinsky, you've got these people that, that, that spent, you know, several years on one movement in a symphony. And then that goes into the jazz era and the jazz era is, is, is very, very intricate music and very dynamic and very expensive to record at that time. And then, then the Beatles break in, in the sixties and suddenly you've got four tracks and you got eight tracks and now it's on your home computer and you don't even need to have a drummer. You just, you just download the drum loop. You download what song sample you want to put on it. You download whatever keyboard sound you want to put on it. And then you just whisper into a microphone and then put in a bunch of, uh, uh, effects and retune it and you're done. Right. You're done. That's a, it's a dance classic. You can make it in 15 minutes. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely shocking how easy that process is and in comparative to how hard it is to get, you know, five, six musicians together and spend a lifetime creating and making music that, that people will enjoy. Exactly. And like you said, I mean, it's easy. You could do it. You could, uh, decide to have monkey be a one man band and do it all on your computer. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you could make great music and great sounding music, but it's not a band. It doesn't have that live element. Like you said, man, there's nothing that compares to seeing a show live. Nothing, nothing in this world. I've seen some, I've seen shows that, that, uh, I I've, I've attended shows with band with bands. That I've never even heard of before didn't know what they were singing about. And the next thing I know, like there's tears coming down my face and I don't even know why, you know, it's just the passion, the energy, um, you know, and I've seen, you know, shows that make me want to just like scream and rip off my clothes and just ah, and jump around. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just how, it's just amazing how much alive the, uh, the, the, um, the, how much a performer can really throw, uh, their energy around and how much the crowd can take that and reciprocate it back. If the crowd reciprocates it back, it can continue growing and, and growing into like a bigger thing, a bigger thing than all of us is happening when that, when, when that goes into action, it's an energy that cannot be, uh, created with one person in a, in a, uh, in a, in a, in their bedroom and, uh, you know, with a, with a, with a online kit to make a song and it definitely can't, you know, be, uh, achieved without everybody understanding the, the, the energy that's coming back is enormous and just feeling that. So, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I'll tell you what, 
one of my, my favorite uh, experiences was, uh, remember the Go-Go's? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Go-Go's were around for a long time. And then the lead singer, she took off. Uh, what was her name? Um, Belinda Carlisle. Belinda Thank you. Uh, Belinda Carlisle. Uh, uh, she took off. She had her like solo career. She said, I'm done. Screw the Go-Go's. I'm never getting back together with them. And then she, you know, went and had children or whatever she did and her life and her career settled down to like a mere murmur. And it was like that for like 15 years. And they announced that they were going to get together to do one show in San Francisco. And they started the song with surfing and spying, which was like their, their surf anthem. So there's no singing in it. There's just band playing. So the band walks out. Everyone's like, woo, the band's out. Yay. And they're jumping around. Everyone's getting inside. They're like, yay, yay, yay. You know, and uh, it was really light and really fluffy and frivolous. And uh, everyone was having a great time. And then right as they end the song, Belinda Carlisle walks on stage and she walked out there and everyone, there was this huge gasp of air. Like no one there that was, I mean, they paid top dollar to be there. They parked in San Francisco, which was, which is ridiculous. They walked a million miles to get to this club. They, they spent a ton of money on booze and yet they had committed to all of that but they, they had felt that she actually wasn't going to be there. And the moment she walked out on stage, it was like a silent gap. And then this roar, it was like, ah, like, like, like everyone like ate the whole meal at that point. And it was stunning. It was stunning to be in a room like that. The unexpected moments like that at a live show are some of the best moments in my opinion and, you know, certainly the people who are more familiar with the band are, are the ones who are going to enjoy that. But that's who those moments are for when you see a, a guest musician or a past musician who is a member in the band come out on stage. People who, are, who are, are fans and really interested in that music are the ones who pay attention and really appreciate moments like that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I also realized that, that she means a lot. Uh, Belinda Carlisle means a lot more than just your average musician because she grew up, uh, her crowd grew up with her. And yeah. at that moment, you realize that every every male in that audience has thought of sleeping with her. <laughs> and every <laughs> woman has thought of being her. Yeah. And that's a, a completely different level. That's right, a completely right. different level of, of, of like, what the hell were we all thinking? This is amazing. <laughs> well, doesn't that happen for every fan at the monkey shows? Come on. <laughs> it was like one wino out there like, ah, we'll <laughs> don't worry about it. It's nothing special. <laughs> well, I, I think you said it best, Curtis, and that is that, uh, you know, live shows are, and it depends on the, the person. It's an individual thing, but it can be very, you know, quite a religious experience. Music is, is so emotional, and not everybody connects with music that way, but a lot of people do, and that's what, that's what makes the live show so special to me anyway. But, uh, man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's been fun catching up with you. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll, I'll keep in touch, and uh, when we uh, get some new monkey music out, I'll have you on again, and we'll, uh, we'll tease some of that. Definitely, and I'm going to show you the name of the album, but you're not allowed to say it. Because oh, it's a what secret. a tease, man. What a tease. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so here it is. Don't say it. Let me see if I can get it in there. <laughs> All right. All right. Look, That's our secret. 
that's that's your and I's secret. All right. So, uh, so keep that uh, under your hat and uh, and uh, keep rocking, uh, rocking, rocking with the music and and the aliens and everything that you do. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Take care, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Later, brother. Huge thanks to Curtis for taking the time to talk with us today. That was a lot of fun. And let's uh, let's play another track of uh, monkey music here. This one's called Hot Lunch. It's off their 2009 release, Lost at Sea. And this was their, their latest release. Um, so this is the most recent music they put out. The song's called Hot Lunch. Here's Monkey. <laughs> Caleb well that's pretty much going to do it for this episode you know I I'm so tired because I've been really busy we're coming up on the uh the International UFO Congress pretty soon here in Arizona so a lot of a lot of crazy work uh doing last minute planning on that and uh next weekend January 24th Friday the 24th I'm headed to Vegas with my uh, my colleagues from Open Minds, Maureen Ellsbury and Alejandro Rojas. We're going to uh, the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas to give a lecture all about UFOs. So I'm going to head out for a couple of days to Vegas and do that. That'll be fun. Man, you are always in Vegas. I live in Vegas. It's hilarious. <laughs> and I, the majority of it is for work because of the National Atomic Testing Museum and their Area 51 exhibit and the, uh, the regular UFO-related lectures they put on. But other than I mean, that, course, I mean, it's it's very close to, be. to me being in Phoenix, so it's a a quick run up there, and uh, man, I, I have fun. So I, I love Vegas. I love casino hopping and and trying to stay in as, as many of the places on the strip as I can. And I've I've hit a lot of them, but uh, I'm the see. King. I've never been to Vegas. I just feel like if I were there, I'd be like, shit, man, this is bad country. Yeah, you'd probably go insane in Vegas. I've thought about inviting you, but I don't know if I'd want to. <laughs> be with you in vegas i'm scared of what would happen you i can just would. envision you like stumbling down the strip naked i mean yeah i mean that's kind of what i was thinking i mean i don't know dude you know what the kids say these days is is yolo i don't know what that means but i i think it means seize the carp it, it does mean seize the carp and funny that you mentioned that there's actually a restaurant on the strip called yolo oh 
well, we have to go there now. I think it's like a burrito place, but yeah, they do have a place <laughs> called YOLO. Wow, that is pretty funny. Uh, One of these days, buddy, we'll do Vegas. I'm into it, man. I'm into it. All right, brother. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. This has been fun. It's good to be back. We took a little while off for the holidays and whatnot, but uh, good to be back. We've got more more good stuff coming your way soon. Again, this is the Rogue Planet Podcast. I am Jason McClellan, and Caleb Hanks is Caleb Hanks. Sadly, sadly, yes, I am. In real we'll life. see you next time, cadets. Cadets, absolutely. Take care, homie. Yeah.